Welcome to the Spiritual Intelligence Podcast, Awakening Your Inner Power with Daniel Martinez Stahl, where we will explore, discover, and integrate different aspects of our spiritual and human nature so that we can all thrive and live life with more grace and ease instead of struggle. Welcome to the Spiritual Intelligence Podcast. My name is Daniel Martinez-Stahl, and with me today is Scott Fitzgerald de Tamble. He is a friend and also uh, a mentor and teacher. I did my past life regression training with him uh, last year, and he is very experienced in life between lives. As some of you may know, I have uh, attended the Life Between Lives training myself recently. I'm in the process of getting certified in that. Um, so I'm excited to see where this conversation with him goes, but I'll let him introduce himself. So Scott, uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself and then I'll take it from there. Sure. Thanks, Daniel. Thanks for having me on your show. It's a lot of fun to be with you. We spent a lot of time together in the last few months. <laughs> always fun and always a pleasure, my friend. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it is fun. So people may not know that with the class that Daniel took with me, um, it was such a special group of people that uh, I think there was a feeling of people wanted to stay in touch. And so Daniel was able to put together a, a group meeting every month. And so we meet every month or two. Sometimes I miss them, but it's just a lot of fun staying in touch with people and seeing what they're up to. Yeah, and some of and some of you will have already met a couple of these people. So uh, Shannon Johnson uh, was one of our uh, training group, and also Anna Maria Vasquez. So both of them were part of that training, and both of which you guys have met in previous episodes. So I agree with you. It was an amazing group of people. Um, very excited to have been part of that. I, I still feel like. <laughs> it's an honor and I feel like a third wheel in the group, um, given the knowledge and ability of, of everybody there. Um, but it's been exciting. And honestly speaking, it, it's been inspirational and life-changing for me. Not only the, the training that you offered, but just being part of that group and the information that we've shared together and the conversations that we've had. It's been it's been really an amazing group of people, and I'm I'm honored to to be part of that group. So, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. I thank you. Uh, I have to agree with you. Uh, these people, uh, the ones that you mentioned, uh, Shannon and Anna Maria, they're just amazing. They have so much going on, and there are other folks in that group um, in other countries and things that are just wonderful and many faceted individuals and healers and so yeah every time that we meet i learn from all everyone it's a lot of fun so yeah um about myself at a certain point you know i'd always been interested in metaphysics and spirituality that kind of thing and so at a certain point i just decided uh you know, I'd really like to explore past life regression. It was the real driver uh, behind my 
uh, leap into hypnosis and hypnotherapy. So I went to hypnosis and hypnotherapy training. I did some past life training. Uh, my hypno teacher told me, you know, to get started, you need to get an office. And I was like, what? I don't even know anything. I don't even know what to do with people when they walk in. So she said, learn by doing, you know. So I did, and uh, it's been really fun. That was about 20 years ago. And, uh, yeah, so it's been an interesting ride. The past life thing is a, is real dear to me. I just have a fascination with past lives, history, how souls progress through, you know, the eons and what that's all about, the different patterns, and, and then linking all of that back to where we are now. Here you are in this life. Looking at past lives is fun, like, wow, I was Cleopatra, I was Napoleon or whatever. So what? What does that have to do with now? Wow. As you learned uh, and as you're doing, there's a lot to do with now. And so we try to link all these lives and really bring it to the here and now. So that's probably the most important thing because it is uh, usually a therapy. There's an issue, there's a challenge, there's a problem. And so this is one way to investigate, explore, and try to understand, you know, what's that all about? We can go to a past life. Let's say, uh, let's say a person is overeating and they're really overweight. They say, why? What's going on? Maybe it's a past life. Well, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. There are just techniques in hypnotherapy called, uh, you know, regression to cause. So we can just go back to the root cause. And this may be in childhood, in the current life. It often is, actually. But as often as not, it reaches back to a past life. So with our example of the person who's overeating, maybe we'll say, Let's go to the roots of that, and it'll open up, let's say, a life in um, a big city somewhere, and they're just living on the streets, sleeping in the gutter or whatever, on the sidewalk or whatever. And, uh, you know, every time they can beg, borrow, steal, or find a piece of food, any calorie and stuff in their mouth, it's, it's about survival. And so we'll understand, well, you know, maybe that's where this compulsion to eat is coming from. Because in this other lifetime, you had to, you know, try and survive by, you know, like I say, any calorie, any morsel you can find and eat that. And so, wow. So you can understand, uh, hmm, that was then, this is now, there are supermarkets on every corner. And, you know, government cheese or whatever, you can find food. It's not too hard. So, you know, learning about where that comes from. And there are other techniques we can use to work through that. It can make a big difference on, you know, that was then, this is now. But it's also likely, I've found, 
that that wasn't the first time, that time in the city. There may be a chain of lifetimes reaching back. I'll give you another example. I was doing a session with someone that I'd worked with before. She had a problem with her throat. Uh, it was, um, it felt stuffed. It felt scratchy and bothered. And she didn't know what that was all about. So we were going to explore that. I started doing like a past life regression. And because I'd worked with her before, we had met her spirit guides, and in particular, one spirit guide. So we're, we're doing the regression. We're like, let's go to it. And so the spirit guide just pops up all of a sudden, kind of in her mind. And she just uh, relays his, his words or his thoughts. He says, huh, I can show you a dozen lifetimes. She's been stabbed in the throat. She's been shot in the throat. She's been hung by the throat. She's been stomped on the throat, all of these things. So I was like, uh, sorry, Daniel. Sorry about that. And so, okay, all these throat injuries and, and, you know, what's that all about? So he says, she's not speaking her truth. She's not speaking her truth. And I'm like, okay, well, what does that have to do with now? Because she hadn't really told me uh, anything. And then it came out that there was a situation at her job where she felt she was passed over for a promotion. And, you know, it should have gone to her, but for whatever political, you know, reasons, it didn't. And so, but she didn't really say anything. So after this session, she went and she talked to someone about it and said, hey, you know, what the heck? And I don't think that it helped. It didn't get her the job in that sense. But the throat problem went away. It just dissolved and faded away because she did speak out. She, she stuck up for herself. She spoke her truth. So long story, but the point being that a lot of our issues in our lives now reach back many, many lifetimes. And so we now have the tools and techniques to dig that out. Yeah, there's a couple things that you shared that I would love to explore, and I'm going to see if I can remember them later on. But I want to start by really highlighting something that you mentioned, because a lot of people have an idea that past life regression therapy, and I'm using the word therapy on purpose, is a therapeutic approach. And it can be used as a therapeutic approach. I myself allow the process to be a healing process and to enable the higher self, the true self, and the spirit guides to provide information and knowledge to help the individual identify and resolve whatever issues they're struggling with. But I do everything I can to stay removed and outside of that process myself. I'm a facilitator and I consciously am doing what I can to remain clean and not to influence the process or influence the journey or to provide my own ideas of why they are eating too much or or even what the interpretation is of them going back to a lifetime where they were beggars on the street. 
I do not say, oh, that must mean why. I do not do that at all. Some other people that work in past life regression therapy may. I know I don't. And I learned, and I learned that I want to say I learned that, though that's always been my intention. A big part of the way that I work is really referencing an approach that you shared with me during our training, which is to involve the higher self and the spirit guides in the information as it relates to the informate the to the images or the scenes or the experiences that are being revealed in the sessions. And so that's something that I tend to do to do and lead in that direction. Um, because I think it's so much more valuable and so much more helpful to have that information come from sources with a higher perspective. And I would love to get you to talk more about that. Absolutely. You know, with these tools and techniques, every person, every therapist type person, a facilitator has a different personality and a different style. And so they can mold the techniques to their style. And that's the way it should be. Um, we don't want a bunch of robots, you know, doing past life regression. We don't want, you know, uh, you shouldn't be just like me and I shouldn't be just like someone else. And we're our own people. And that's probably why clients are brought to us or they come to us because of our style. And we got to have some trust in the spirit world in the sense of they're bringing uh clients and therapists together for certain reasons. Another funny thing about that is that in a lot of the sessions that I do, they're getting messages or learnings and it applies to me as well. It's like, wow, I almost feel like this was uh, made for me because it's something I need to think about. So trusting your individuality, your use of the techniques, is important and and developing your own style i think that's perfectly fine you know there are some people who come to me and some therapists who provide just a recreational past life regression hey you know i'm just curious about it um you know my wife did it or something i just i'm curious who was i in the past and we can do that and it's a lot of fun most people that come to me, as I mentioned, they do have an issue or a challenge. And so there is a therapeutic aspect. So that's always in the back of my mind as we're exploring everything. It's like, okay, how does that relate to this thing that they brought up or these couple of things? And so it can be as recreational or therapeutic or open-ended as it needs to be. And I think that's perfectly fine. Regarding the use of uh, spirit guides, a person I first studied with, I mean, say we're doing the past life progression. So we're going to go look at a past life and go backwards, forwards. Eventually, the life's going to come to an end because we're here now. So obviously it ended at some point. And so what then? What do we do? I know there are past life regression therapists who might even have big names or big reputations, and they don't really do much with it. 
they don't really tie it to anything. So the person, one person that I studied with, at the end, he would have you go up into your own sort of higher self and have your own higher self or your soul or your whatever you want to call it, your greater self, kind of connect the dots for you. And so that was a that's a pretty good way to do it. But then when I took the Life Between Lives training, and then we were talking to spiritual beings you know, through our clients, as you just experienced and learned, um, that was just so much better because it's using a, an energy other than the client. And so it gets the client a little bit out of their own head. So I thought, what about putting this together a little bit? So we're doing like a souped up past life regression. I just call it a past life and spirit guide session. So we're going to do a past life that has something to do with the issue or whatever they're looking for. Then we're going to go through the death, up into spirit. We're going to sit down with one or more of their spiritual guides and have them make sense of all of this. Have them connect the dots. And the cool thing, like I say, it's it's other than the client. So it takes them out of their own mind or their own thoughts. It's coming from somewhere else. And so the information comes through them and through their voice. It's not like a psychic reading where I'm um, interpreting. They're interpreting or even channeling their own spirit guides. And so I found that's just a, it's a much more profound method of connecting the dots and, uh, you know, getting the, the moral of the story, so to speak. Yeah, I, I love that approach. And like I say, for me, that was really helpful because my whole interest in going into past life regression therapy, this was back in 2008, was because I never, I never liked the idea of a therapist and patient relationship. I never liked that idea of a patient coming to me with a problem, me coming up with some theory as to why they're broken, coming up with techniques or 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 tools that I can share with them to help them see what I think is wrong with them um, or to find a solution, to help them see a solution for themselves based on my theories. That whole relationship never, never sat well with me. Um, but when I started really thinking about past life regression, I used to say to myself that it's very easy to stay clean. I help people experience what they need to experience. They get their lessons from what they experience and through their own journey and all i am doing is helping them access that information and i love the addition of bringing in spirit guides for that added perspective i do agree with you though some of our colleagues might not i do agree with you that there's an added value in having the information come from a third source from a higher perspective as opposed to it being directed from their higher self, it, it helps the client or the individual to take in the information more easily when it comes from an external source. And I always will talk to my the people that I work with about how when we're referring to the spirit team, I am including their higher self in that, even though it's their 
their spirit guides that we're speaking to, it's really a, a collaboration of multiple entities, including their higher self, that are speaking through that individual. Um, so there is that link. One thing that I wanted to ask or mention, get your thoughts. And of course, everybody has their own ideas, but I keep on coming across this notion that time isn't linear and that time is much more complicated than we think, that everything is happening at once, that there is no truly past life, that it's actually happening simultaneously. Though from our perspective, given that we are in a, in a physical world where there is the idea of linear time, we use it as a as a reference of time being a past life versus a current life versus a future life. Um, so I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Well, that's a big question and it's a very fascinating thing. We'll do that. Before we do that, can we just back up? I had a couple other things I wanted to say. Of course, yeah, go for it. Thank you. Because I think that I agree with you. It's very important to be clean in the therapy in the sense of not leading the client too much. Now, you know, in these regressions and even the life between life sessions, there is a certain amount of leading that is almost necessary, but we don't really want to put words in their mouths or interpret for them. I have a client that comes to me every once in a while, probably seen her. Um, six or seven times. She's had LBL sessions with a couple of other LBL therapists, and she played a little bit of the recordings for me. And it was pretty interesting. It was pretty fascinating. The first one, uh, honestly, I, <laughs> I don't know how to say this nicely, but uh, I probably wouldn't go to that person. <laughs> well, let's just leave it at that. The second person, um, this person was, as they were going, uh, this person was interpreting everything that came up. Well, it's a green emerald. Well, that means this, and that means that. Don't you see? And every, every other juncture, uh, this person was interpreting uh, for the client, and I just, you know, I got to shake my head, and I, I don't think that's uh, a good idea, because... Even if you're, you know, number one psychic reader or whatever, you don't know what green means to this person, uh, you know, or what uh, this symbol means for that person. We have no idea. It means something different for everyone. And so, you know, I do back off of interpreting, especially during the session. Sometimes afterwards, people ask me, you know, or like a week later, like, what does this mean? What does that mean? If they want to discuss it, I'll be happy to discuss it with them and tell them my opinions. But during the session and immediately after, uh, I'm not going to, you know, say much about it. It's for them to, it's to percolate, you know, inside of them, for them to uh, let it settle and them to make sense of it. And I think it's a pretty well-known maxim in therapy of all kinds that the uh, insight you get from yourself is just much more meaningful than what someone else tells you. So 
I try to be just the ferryman, where I ferry the person to the other side, basically. And then we, you know, I'm sort of their guide and their ferryman. I don't mean a ferry like with wings. I mean like a guy on a boat, you know, with a paddle. <laughs> though, though the image of you with wings is actually quite cute. <laughs> well, yeah. there may have been lives. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm taking someone somewhere. And then they need to get out of the boat and they need to go interact with people. I'll, I'll be with them, but I'm not standing in front. I'm standing a little behind. So anyway, I just wanted to say that. No, and I appreciate that. And and like I say, that was something that I really appreciated in in the way that that you taught your relationship with the journey because it, it resonates with what I wanted to do. I do not want to impose my interpretations of things. It's got nothing to do with me or my interpretations of things and everything to do with the person that I'm working with and their interpretation. Now, if their higher self or their spirit team wants to provide an interpretation that they know is going to be helpful and heard by the individual that goes through them, so be it. And that's the reason that that I and I assume we bring in these conversations is to connect the dots, like you say. Um, but I'm not the one and you're not the one that's connecting the dots. It's we're le we're we're helping our client to connect the dots for themselves with the help of their their higher self and their spiritual team that has been with them for who knows how long and knows them better than than anyone else. Um, so I absolutely agree with you. Yeah. Um, I was going to say something else about that. What was that? Oh, yeah. And, you know, people drawn to this work tend to be pretty intuitive, pretty sensitive. And uh, you will pick up information, maybe even visions or, you know, feelings or whatever about their, their journey. Um, and, and the more sessions you do, the more time you spend with people in that, you know, spirit world space, rubbing elbows with spirit guides, the more intuitive you're going to become. So sometimes in a session, say a person meets with our guide and will say, well, how are they appearing to you? Or what do you sense about them? And they'll say, well, uh, you know, he's wearing a robe. And in my mind, I'm seeing, I'm seeing that. And I'm seeing it that it's brown, you know, it's a brown robe. It's, a, it's an old guy, like a wizard, like, you know, Gandalf or something, Merlin. It's an old guy with a beard and everything. And this is a human form that they're projecting. They're really just energy, but they like to have fun with this. And so, so I'll just ask them, well, what color is the robe? And they go brown. I'm, I'm thinking to myself, yeah, I knew that. But I, I'm not going to come out and say <laughs> that. I'll say, you know, what about the guy in the brown robe? Because, you know, I don't know. I could be off. But, yeah, so it's kind of funny that, the more you do this, uh, the more information comes to you, like psychically or however, yeah. intuitively. Yeah. So it's, it's a lot of fun. But then, you know, you still got to you gotta hold your peace and, and, and let them say what they're experiencing. You made me think of something that happened with one of my more recent sessions with somebody where 
I had this feeling that there was something else that needed to be said or needed to be shown. And the client was already kind of ready to bring the session to an end. And I went, no, I'm, I'm being told there's something else they want you to see. And I said it exactly in that way, because that's the feeling that I got was there's something else that we want to show her. And the feeling was so real that I was able to voice it in that way. Um, but I haven't, you know, personally, I don't see images or experiences of the people that I'm working with, at least not yet. Um, but I am beginning to get more clear on the communication, where their spirit guides want me to take the conversation. I'm, I'm getting that direction more clearly, um, which has been a lot of fun. I agree with you. But the other thing that, that I wanted to mention, which which you kind of touched on, something that a lot of people don't realize is the spiritual side tends, a lot of them tend to have a lot of humor. They want to lighten things up. They're jokers. They will present themselves in all funny ways and, 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 and ideas. And, um, if you could speak to that, you know, maybe some examples of some things that might pop up, that would be, uh, that would be really cool. Sure. Let me comment on what you just said. Uh, I'm sorry, I keep working backwards. I'm past oriented. I'm a past life regression. <laughs> so, uh, Time is not lineal, Scott. <laughs> okay. We're going to talk about that too. But I like, I think if you're getting a feeling that, wait a minute, we're not done here. I think that's okay. I think that's still clean because you're not telling them, wait, you didn't look at that giant tree and it's trying to tell you there's an owl in there. And you know, you're not giving them specifics. You're saying, there's something nagging at me. Uh, I think we're not done here. There's something else. I think that's totally clean. That's fair. You're leaving it wide open. You're just saying, hey, we're not done yet. And so it's important to realize for a therapist like this that we are part of a, of a team. We're the human part. And, you know, we're working with spiritual beings. That's really where the bulk of the information and the learning and the guidance is coming from. But they need us too. You know, we obviously, we need them. I need my, I need people's spirit guides. And I, as you know, in my sessions, I invoke or invite uh, them to come and help. Because, uh, you know, it's good to ask. It couldn't hurt to ask, right? It kind of opens the doors. But we're a part of the team, too. And so we need to be cognizant of if we're getting an intuition about something. Hey, you know. Uh, again, not to put words in the client's mouth, but just knowing that you are a part of the team, and I think that's fair. And... You know, they've expressed uh, in my sessions that, you know, we do appreciate you human therapists, too, because they couldn't really do it without us, too, because we're, we're in the human realm. We're working with their student or their person. So, you know, it's a, it's a giant symbiotic uh, team. And so I just wanted to mention that. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 true, and um, it reminds me of a message that I received from one of the the spirit guides, which was thanking me for being a connector. And I think that that's I think it's a really nice description of the work that we do is that we help our clients connect with their spirit guides, and with their with their spiritual team, including their higher self. 
Um, so it's very true. That's precisely, yeah, that's precisely what I was talking about. That's uh, that's wonderful that you are recognized and um, appreciated that way. So you mentioned um, humor in uh, spirit. Yes, there is a lot of humor. You know, just like humans, we have all different personalities. Same with spiritual guides and, and other beings in spirit. They're all unique. They have different personalities. There are some who uh, affect a very stoic and stern personality when they're talking to their their uh, their student. We'll call them their human. Very stoic, very stern, something like that. The other side of the coin, there are like people who are jumping around like. Uh, you know, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs or whatever. You know, they're just uh, having a lot of fun and, and showing a lot of things in the person's mind and even making bad puns and jokes and things like that. And, you know, they're, they're putting their time in, they're putting their, well, time, they're putting their effort in, they're putting their energy in. You know, why can't they have fun with it too? And so... Uh, what I find with a lot of clients, Daniel, is that we are um, taking things a bit serious, a bit too serious down here. Because uh, most of the people I see, they want to excel. They want to do well in their lives. They want to do well in every aspect. Uh, people who, you know, get straight A's and, you know, that kind of thing. And so they tend to to take things really serious. And one comment uh, that has come up over and over from the spirit guides is uh, to their uh, person in our session is, you really need to lighten up. Quit being so serious. It's also about enjoyment. There might be lessons and experiences and all that kind of thing, but it's also just about enjoying yourself enjoying a physical experience. There are lots of pleasures to be had in a physical experience. And so, hey, you know, lighten up. So in sessions, uh, I think they gauge what the person needs. And if they're thinking the person needs to lighten up, they will joke around. They will be humorous. They will show a funny image, like I'm a, like a leprechaun or something, instead of a wizard, instead of a stern, you know, uh, guy in a toga or something. They're like a leprechaun jumping around. They're, they're trying to, to lighten people up. And so, yeah, they do use humor a lot. Yeah, there is time when one of the conversations that I had, the message that I got from the guide was to find the humor in situations as opposed to look for the drama. And it was a reminder, the emphasis of the conversation that I was having with the spirit guide was around exactly that, that life is meant to be enjoyed, life is meant to be fun, lighten up, take things a lot less seriously than we do, and to look for the humor in things as opposed to focusing on the drama. And I thought that was a really helpful message for anybody in any aspect of life to remember uh, that it's, it's, you know, look for the humor in things as opposed to focusing on the drama. That's brilliant. 
So brilliant. I, I got to say, wow, thank you up there. It's brilliant because we tend to look for the drama for sure. We tend to roll around in the mud of the drama. We enjoy that. That's part of the experience too. And that's all fun. But yeah, look for the humor because in the end, these lifetimes are, you know, a drop in the ocean of our existence. Every lifetime is precious. Every day, every moment is precious. Absolutely. And yet, in the grand scheme of things, it's a grain of sand on the beach amongst your hundreds and thousands and who knows how many lives and aspects of existence. And so, you know, I'm walking down the street and I stub my toe and it bleeds like, God damn it, you know, what the hell? Uh, you know, you know, is it really <laughs> that big of a deal? Get over it. And, you know, it's a kind of a human thing that in the moment, there's no humor at all. I'm pissed off. <laughs> you know, I'm like, what the hell? And then later, as time goes by, you can uh, see the drama. But I mean, you can see the humor, excuse me. So it would be good if in the moment we could all learn maybe to see the humor a little more. So I really love that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tattoo that on my chest. Yeah, feel free <laughs> to borrow it and use it all you want. <laughs> Thanks. So uh, you mentioned time. Time. It is a very interesting topic for many people, um, and like I've like I've I've mentioned, it's something that. Information that I have been given from spirit tends to be, we can't fully explain it because you wouldn't understand, because our human experience just simply will not understand it. So they've been trying to explain it in different ways. I've heard that time is stacked linearly, one, one on top of the other. I've heard that time is like a spiral that comes back into itself. So it's a circular spiral. So there's movement and there's repetition, but it's more of a spiral and a circle. Um, I've also been told from spirit that 80 years of our lifetime is like 15 minutes for them. So there needs, so, and I've heard that from spirit. So And I know that they're saying that in a way for me to recognize what that means, but there, there must be some aspect of time in, in spiritual realm, again, because of these references um, that I've heard. Um, but with regards to lives, and I'd love to get your thoughts on this, I personally don't believe that every single 100,000, 2,000, whatever many lives I'm having are all happening right now. That doesn't make sense to me. What I heard, what I read in Shannon's book, which is fabulous, what I remember reading in that book was that what we do is given a specific lesson that we're working on, we will block a bunch of lives that are all related to that lesson. So we are living 30 lives right now or 40 lives right now simultaneously because every single one of those lives is related to 
a deepening understanding of love or compassion or forgiveness or acceptance or whatever it is that I'm working on. That makes sense to me. And so whether or not it's true or not true, the way that I tend to go with a lot of these things is follow what resonates and go with what feels right. And so that's what feels right to me. But I would love to get your thoughts, given the conversations you've had and the experience that you've had um, around time. I'm happy to share uh, in my own thoughts as well. You know, as uh, physical beings, human beings, we do uh, process information in a succession of moments. There is that linear um, thing going on. And we also count time by the movement of the celestial bodies, you know, the earth around the sun and the revolution of the earth day and night and, you know, the year around the sun and, you know, all those kinds of things. And so there's a physical component uh, to time. And, you know, our brains are physical matter as well. And so maybe we need that to get through these little games, these lives that we're living. But when you go non-physical, you know, uh, what does that even mean? I think we have to maybe, Daniel, accept that there are some things that are just unknowable. And I, I know the human mind is so curious and wants to know everything. You know, I do. But I, I think as uh, in the human form, we have to just accept that some things are just beyond our understanding. I mean, you know, people can make their own choice about that. But so I had a teacher, a past life teacher. And forgive me if I've told this story before. Probably heard it in class. He described our lifetimes as being like every life is like a single glass chessboard and on this chessboard there's one piece in this life you're a knight then there's another chessboard another life below that and that one you're a pawn and below that you're a queen and below that you're a king and a bishop so there's hundreds or you know thousands or you know infinite i don't know how many of these lives stacked up and if you look down through the middle of it, it's like this whole dance. Every little movement that you make in your life affects the whole pageant of all of the lives. And so it's easy to think that a decision or an action that you take in this life could affect your future lives or even your future in this life. But it also affects your past lives. And I know that's backwards for the human mind to understand. Wait a minute. The past is already written. I can get a newspaper that said, you know, the Yankees won the pennant in 1929 or whatever. Um, but if you're into like sci-fi shows and time travel and paradoxes, if you somehow change that, the newspaper would just automatically change. And it was the Red Sox that won the pennant or whatever. So. It's kind of fun to think about. Uh, I have a friend uh, who maybe he uh, was told this or maybe he glommed onto this idea that 
yeah, there's a there's an actual correlation. Like a year in spirit is like one second in earth. So 10 years in spirit is like 10 seconds in earth. Like, no, I, I just don't agree with that. I don't see that. Like you mentioned, uh, 80 years is like 15 minutes, uh, maybe. Or maybe like uh, a millisecond, you know, because I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. How can all these lives be simultaneous? That doesn't make sense. How can they all be going on at once? Why do I need to learn a lesson about forgiveness if I've already learned that in 47 million future lives? Why do I need to go through it now? doesn't make sense. Why do I need to do anything? Why do I need to learn anything or progress or evolve? Because in the future, I've already done it. I'm already there. I'm already at the finish line. I'm already having a, you know, a, a celebratory drink. I've already made it. So why do I have to, you know, toil away in this life? You know, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to say about this. Um, if you read Jane Roberts, and Seth was a lady who channeled this uh, spirit teacher back in the 60s and 70s and 80s. Now, his big thing was that uh, all lives are simultaneous. All time is simultaneous. That makes no sense to us because we have a little clock and the, the little second hand goes tick, 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 tick. It's moving. But according to these spirit teachers, it's like, you know, I don't know. So the thing that Shannon's guide said about maybe there's a block of lives that are simultaneous and then you move on to another block. That's an interesting idea. Somehow, you know, I love Shannon. Somehow I'm not feeling that's quite it either. I think it's more complex. And we're getting into other dimensions, which I don't even understand what that word means. Other dimensions. What Everyone's, you know, it's a new age thing. The fifth word. We're trying to ascend to the fifth dimension, man. It's like, okay, that's cool. Uh, it sounds neat. But I, don't, I don't really know what it means. I'm not a physics professor. And so, you know, or a quantum, you know, whatever. So I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what does it mean? Time, the simultaneous, these lives, uh, past lives, future lives. What does it all matter? I don't know. What I do know is we have right now, and then another right now, and another right now. Just like make the most out of now. That's what I would say. Sounds good. Sounds good. What else can we do? <laughs> you know, yesterday's gone and tomorrow never comes. All we really have is now. And another thing Seth said that reminds me, um, the point of power is now. So in the now, you always have the power to make a decision or an action or a thought, whatever. You're always creating. We're always creating whether we want to or not. With our thoughts, our feelings, our energy, we're, we're emanating, we're creating. And so probably behooves us, as I read in one of your cards in your deck here, it behooves us to, you know, uh, have a positive feeling, see the humor instead of the drama. Yeah, yeah. I, um, 
I want to ask you a question that I normally ask at the beginning of, of these conversations. And given that you brought up the term, what does it mean to you that we have inner power? If someone said that to you, what would that mean to you? I believe we all carry a spark of the divine within us. We are a part of that. We're all connected. And we, uh, we have a spark of the creator or creative ability within us. We can go out and create. And that's what we're probably meant to do. You know, I don't know why someone was asking me, well, why did God create all these sparks? Why did, why are we, you know, spawned off from the source? I'm like, I don't know. Uh, maybe God, you know, was bored and just wanted to, I have no idea. I think these things are sort of unknowable. And it's funny how people in books will write books like, well, this is this, and this is that, and this is the way that is. I'm like, yeah, really? Okay. If you want, if you want to think that, that's cool. So what does it mean to have power? I think we have this creative spark within us. And so it's a part of the divine. It's all, we're always connected to the divine. We are creators, ever evolving, ever changing, ever growing, our awareness always expanding. And so I'm not sure exactly what you're asking or what you're referring to, but I just feel that each of us walking around have the creative powers of our creator, of the source, uh, whatever you want to call it. We have that power within us. So we have the ability to, to manifest, to create. That's all, that's all I can think of for now. Beautiful. And again, excuse me, and again, we are creating all the time, whether we know it or not, whether we want to or not, because we are emanating uh, a resonance or an energy or a flavor. And so because of the law of attraction, like attracts like. And so it's going to tend to attract that back to us. Whatever we're emanating, it's going to attract. So if we're, if we're uh, you know, bummed out and depressed and everything, and, and, you know, I'm a loser and all that kind of stuff, you're going to tend to attract more situations that are, are a bummer. If you have to, uh, like, uh, you know, Abraham Hicks, you know, um, Esther Hicks channels Abraham um, for a long time. Um, sometimes you have to almost deny reality. Say, like, I'm poor, I'm in the gutter, I have no food. You almost have to just sort of uh, say, uh, well, I'm just going to imagine that I'm, you know, happy and healthy and wealthy and everything's good. Because if I can create a feeling, if I can create a happy feeling, even though I'm in the middle of, again, the mud, if I can just smile and I create a happy feeling, someone's going to come along and give me five bucks and then I can go get a sandwich or whatever. And it's, it's going to create. So we are always creating and, and attracting at the same time, my opinion. So... 
you know, we need to raise our thoughts. If you want to attract beautiful things, we got to think beautiful thoughts. There's a lot of information that you'll hear me refer to with regards to the role that our thought plays in our experience. And if you're at all interested in the three principles or have been studying the three principles for a while, this is not anything new for you. If you've gone through my online course, this is not new for you. Um, but there's an understanding of, and it plays beautifully with the idea of law of attraction. There's an understanding that the thoughts that you pay attention to are the thoughts that you're going to have more of. So if you're thinking positive thoughts, you're going to have more positive thoughts. If you're thinking negative thoughts, I'm sorry, I lost your audio somehow. I'm sorry, can you go back? You were saying... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Per yeah, absolutely. So, so if you're new to the three principles, let, let, me, let me go back to that again. Let's see if I can find that, that thread. So you were talking about how the law of attraction is happening around us, whether we're aware of it or not. And it's really something that I've noticed with with everybody, myself included, we lose sight of the fact that we're creating with our thoughts and our energy in every moment. We lose sight of the fact that when I start focusing on the drama of my life, I'm going to invite more drama into my life. There's an essence of the thoughts that I'm recognizing and paying attention to, the ones that I'm giving energy to, are the ones that the creative elements of life are going to respond to and say, oh, these are the thoughts and energies that you're giving energy to, so let's give you more of those. And so there's an aspect of when we are consciously aware of the energy and the thought patterns that we are giving attention to and importance to, we begin to recognize that when we are consciously aware of looking for a better thought, I'm not saying change your thinking, but looking for a better quality thought. When we look for a better quality thought, we're going to have more better quality thoughts. If I focus my attention on the drama and the depression or the sadness or the loneliness or the anger or the frustration or the whatever thoughts that I'm having, life is going to say, oh, those are the thoughts and energy you're giving attention to. So let me give you more of those. And it's innocent in the sense that there's no judgment. This isn't a one is better than the other. In my experience, I would rather spend my time living in better quality thoughts and better emotions than in the not so fun emotions. But being able to start to recognize the role that my free will plays in that is huge in the ability that we have to help shape and direct the direction of our life, the quality of our life and the experience that we're having. Absolutely. Um, I like that you brought up emotions and feelings and all of that. Now, you're not saying that if you're sad, not to feel sad, are you? 
No, at all. What I'm, it's, you know, thank you for asking that question for the clarification. One of the things that I am hearing time and time again, and I'm learning more and more myself, is to allow myself to experience exactly what I'm experiencing without judgment and to allow it to exist. There's an element of allowance and acceptance within our experience without judgment that makes it possible for those experiences to not linger as long and not affect us as deeply. And interestingly enough, when that happens, we tend to align with our higher quality states of mind more often and more easily. It's not to say that I never get sad or that I never get down on myself. But I have noticed that as I give that experience less importance and less attention, less energy, I'm able to tap into my natural resiliency and awaken that side of me that is innately well-being, innate peace of mind, innate mental health. And it brings that to the surface more often and more easily than not. Absolutely. I would agree with that. Here's what I want to say about this. Emotions are one of the uh, most exciting things about incarnating, coming into a physical uh, human body um, and living a human life. Up there in spirit, we have feelings, we have thoughts. It's just not quite the same as human emotions. So coming into a lifetime, people are, souls are lined up, you know, wanting to come into these lifetimes. It's like Disneyland down here. Thrills, chills, spills. It's like a crazy amusement park. And we want to have those experiences. So I think it's, we need to be careful and say, you sh it's not that you shouldn't have emotions or, or so-called negative emotions, sadness, loneliness, you know, depression. It's part of the experience. And so what I've learned from reading and, and things uh, is that if we have an emotion, a feeling, uh, the best thing to do is, is just dive right into it and uh, really feel it fully. You need to cry, cry your eyes out. It's kind of like when a storm comes through town, you know, there's a storm, there's not much you can do about it. Batten the hatches and, you know, hunker down. But a storm is coming through. And so you can't stop the storm. You can't put it in a box, you know, it, it's just too big. And so you let it come through and it whips the trees around and it drops a bunch of water and maybe even floods. But then afterwards, you know, it's cleared the air. The air smells fresh. Flowers are smiling and everything. So you got to let those storms come through. But by the same token, uh, you don't want to like follow the storm around and wherever it goes and always live in a storm. Uh, when it comes, feel it, enjoy it, take your clothes off and get in the rain and whatever you need to do. 
Um, but you know, it it will pass. If you let it pass, it will pass, and then you'll be cleansed. There's an old story about uh, three monks. Uh, they're walking down a path, and so all of a sudden they realize there's a there's a poisonous bush, which is sort of blocking the path and and off to the side and. The first monk, uh, he's like, heck with that. He just turns around and goes back the other way. And then the second monk says, huh. And he just goes right through the poison bush and right keep, continues on his path. It's like, wow, he's really uh, going on his path. The third monk, he goes off the path and he goes right into the middle of the poison bush and just... You know, he goes right into the middle of the poison. So I think that's an interesting story. I, you can take from it what you will, but uh, everyone has their own reactions to things. But uh, yeah, when it comes to emotions and things, honestly, uh, part of why I'm in this lifetime is to be very sensitive and feel a lot of emotions. As you know, Daniel, in uh, in our sessions, in the LBL sessions, and even the past life classes and stuff that we do, uh, there's a point where we're planning our lives and we're we're thinking about what we want to do in this lifetime, that kind of thing. And how that works with time, I don't know either, but it's very mysterious. So when I came into this uh, body, I wanted to have a really hot emotional body. I was going to be like on fire. I was going to feel everything. So I came into this uh, part of why I chose this body is because it had a very hot emotional body. And then as a soul in the womb, I cranked it up even higher. So I'm like a volcano of emotions. Uh, I try to, you know, not uh, erupt everywhere I go. But, you know, I feel it really intensely. I'm feeling everything really intensely. And so um forgot where I was going with that. But uh I think there's a there's a joy of, of emotions. There's a hunger for emotions that souls sometimes need to feel emotions. And it's almost like food, whether it's sadness, whether it's loneliness, whether it's joy or exhilaration, whatever. It's just tasty stuff, man. Tasty stuff. I wouldn't want to be a robot. There's a reference that um, Laurie, a couple episodes back, mentioned about being in awe during emotional experiences. It was recognizing and appreciating the experience for what it is, the incredible ability that we have to experience such a wide range of emotions and i think that for me it's it's about appreciating that variety and that flexibility and allowing my human to fluctuate and to experience um, within that journey and to your point i want to emphasize that it's very easy for us to dwell on our experiences and to feed our experiences which makes them last longer 
the more attention that I give, you know, so there's a difference between, and I'm, I'm going to put words into Scott's mouth. There's a difference between feeling a state of depression and getting into it and allowing it to be a state of depression than feeding that depression and making it last longer. And there's a subtle distinction in this language. And I don't want people to, to, to take away that, well, Scott said I needed to feel this. And so I'm going to feel my depression. And so I'm going to be depressed for 30 years or whatever. And it's because I'm feeling it. And there's a big difference between allowing a state of, of sadness and depression to exist without judgment. Our bodies, whether we are, let me back up a little bit here because this is a question that people are going to ask as well. Different people have a different chemical structure within their bodies with regards to emotional management. And some people have a capacity to produce the chemicals that allow us to respond and bounce back from our lows. And I put lows in quotes. Whereas other people have chemical structure in their bodies that makes it harder for them to get out of their lows. It's just the way that our humans are, are built. And I absolutely agree that there are chemical, physiological aspects to our emotional experience. Absolutely. For anybody that plays cards, there is a trump that supersedes everything that the chemicals do and that is our thoughts and what we referenced earlier the thoughts that you pay attention to are the thoughts that are going to create your experience the thoughts that you give energy to and feed importance to are what's going to create your experience so even if my physiology has a hard time bouncing back from the low emotions if I learn to pay attention to the direction that my thoughts are going and I allow my negative thoughts to just simply be without importance and without attention, without feeding it, I'm naturally going to start paying attention to and noticing better quality thoughts. And as I pay attention to the better quality thoughts, even if it's by a little tiny bit, I will shift the chemical structure in my body. And so the reason that I'm mentioning this is because I, again, I absolutely agree 100%. Allow yourself to feel what you're feeling. No judgment, no criticism. And as we allow ourselves and accept that experience for what it is, that experience has its own life. That experience will pass through us more easily with less drama. And we're able to experience it and appreciate it for what it is and cleanse ourselves, as Scott was talking about. It's a lot of times our emotions help us to cleanse and to let go and release things. So there's a lot of value in our emotional swings. I think so. And I appreciate what you said. Uh, yeah, so let me clarify a little bit. I like what you said about experiencing emotions versus feeding or dwelling or, you know, prolonging those emotions. Um, that's not natural and that's not something you need to do. 
Uh, like when that storm comes, uh, feel it, but it, it will pass if you feel it. So I guess what I'm saying is uh, value the emotions um, and, uh, you know, even thank them for moving through you. Um, there's also a danger of repressing, in repressing uh, emotions. If you repress an emotion, it's not going to go away. You're holding it down, it's going to stay there and it's going to fester and cause an infection or an ulcer or a heart attack or something. So you don't want to repress them. I guess what I'm saying is feel them and then let them go. And uh, back to our story of the monks. You know, the guy that just, uh, the third guy who just uh, went right into the middle of the bush, why would he do that? Well, for one thing, he just really wanted to feel what it felt like. But for another thing, by doing that, he's probably going to build up uh, some sort of immunity. The next time uh, there's a poison bush, it's like nothing to him because he's, He's survived it. He's went through it. His body had a chance to build up an immunity. But the guy who turned around and went the other way and ran away from the poison or the negative emotion didn't really learn anything from it or gain anything from it. So uh, one more thing to say about emotions, and this is a fascinating uh, conversation. I appreciate it. Thoughts are very important. Visions, thoughts. Uh, decisions, intentions, all of that. But I feel, and people can disagree, and you may disagree, emotion is the energy. It's like the gasoline for the engine, you know? It's like what gives it the fire. It's what's going to help you manifest that thing. Let's say I want a, a new car. I could uh, just mentally picture it, myself in it, or however you want to do that driving down the freeway at 80 miles an hour. It's awesome. It's a new uh, Corvette or something. But if you add the emotion to it, it's like, yeah, the exhilaration, the wheel in your hands, like the feel of the engine. It's just like, so like, it's, if you add the emotion, it's just like adding so much power to what you want to manifest. I totally agree that emotions are everything. And it reminds me of something that I just heard the other day, that we are not human beings, we are emotional beings. And having said that, there is a lot of value. There's a couple things that I want to mention here because it is related. Within the conversation of the three principles, and I know that some of my listeners are familiar with this and, and others are not, um, but within the conversation of the three principles, there's an understanding that our experience of life is the collaborative energies of thought and awareness working together to create emotion. And this is thought, not our thinking, but the capacity and energy of thought. And it's really difficult to explain and, and it, it can get really complicated. But there's an element of 
So within within the conversation of the three principles, there's a level of appreciation and understanding of the role that our thought plays in our experience. And everything in the principles talks about how everything is in the feeling. Everything is in the feeling. The answer of life is in the feeling. The answers that we are looking for from our own spiritual journey, our human journey, every answer we're looking for is found in the emotion, is found in the feeling. It is not found in the intellectual, in the intellect. And with regards to denial, as I started to understand the energy that I can give my experience, a lot of times people will interpret what I'm doing by not giving an experience attention denial. If I, for example, my girlfriend broke up with me, and I'm going to have my days when I feel bad and when I feel fine. And when I feel fine, I don't need to go into thinking about, oh, I just got broken up with, I should be feeling poorly. Let me start thinking about that. And then I start feeling poorly. There's no need to do that. If I'm feeling like crap, then I feel like crap. If I'm feeling happy and joyful, then I'm feeling happy and joyful. It doesn't mean that while I'm feeling happy and joyful, I'm denying the fact that my girlfriend just broke up with me. I'm not denying the fact that I recognize that there's going to be moments when I'm going to feel bad. There's a very subtle distinction that a lot of people don't seem to recognize, which is very powerful, where if you do not feed an experience or a thought more energy, it doesn't mean you're denying it. It just means that you're just not feeding it. Now, if I take that same energy, to Scott's point, if I take that same energy, say it's the, the, the resentment or the anger or the loss of being broken up with, if I, if I deny that and I live as if and just kind of go into my, into my makeup idea and I don't give any importance and any attention to the negative aspects of that experience, then I can go into a state of denial, which is innocently keeping that negative emotion alive and festering underneath everything because I'm actively holding it down. There's indirect attention that I'm giving it by denying it. And I'm, and I'm kind of pushing it down under the surface, but I'm holding it down under the surface. And eventually it's going to start flailing around because it can't breathe. And there's a big difference in doing that versus having that emotion come and saying, okay, so I'm feeling like crap right now. All right, well, I don't need to feed that. I don't need to give that more attention. I don't need to give that more energy. That's not denying it. That's simply not giving it attention. And there's a very subtle distinction in that that can be very powerful when you start to recognize that difference. Makes sense to me. Yeah. So Scott, um, I know that we are are kind of um, coming to an end of our conversation. Just as I, as I'm keeping an eye on the time, um, 
there's a course that you are offering, a past life regression course that's coming up soon. I would love for you to talk more about that in terms of what it's going to be about, when it's going to be. And of course, later on, we'll uh, go over how people get in touch with you. But I wanted, before we go into that, I wanted to see if there's anything else that you wanted to share about our conversation or any other ideas that that you want to that you want to express. Uh, yeah, maybe a thing or two. Thank you. I think in this um, discussion about thoughts and feelings, uh, we are complex beings. We have all these different parts of us, all these different um, tools and um, can't think of the word, but uh, they're all good. You know, it's all good. Thought is good. Feeling is good. Um, all the rest of it, all the other faculties that we have, we just need to find a balance with all of them. Uh, they're all gifts that we have. And so, you know, you don't want to just be the Tasmanian devil of uh, emotion whizzing around. Uh, you want to have some uh, thought or, you know, intellect. Uh, our left brain, right brain, it's all, it's all a balance. So it's really about finding a balance and an equilibrium uh, behind all these things. But I will say, in the final analysis, personally for myself, let's say I need to make a decision. And I'm weighing everything in my mind. I create a column of positives and negatives. And I, uh, I weigh it out and I measure it and I think about it. And I do the research. In the end, I'm going to throw that out the window. and I'm just going to go with my feeling. I'm going to follow my heart. That's just the way I operate. Um, but I think that's, uh, that's an interesting thing that people can think about. Because I know people sometimes tie themselves into pretzels, you know, mentally, and just uh, become uh, paralyzed with, uh, you know, all these different thoughts and just tell, tangles up in a knot in the final analysis. Personally, I just got to go with my, my heart or my gut, you might say. You know, go with your gut, as they say. Go with your feelings, man. Let your heart be your compass. That's what I would suggest. Yeah, I absolutely agree. There's a um, there's something that you made me think about as you were saying that, and I was just talking to my mother about this the other day. When we don't know the answer to something, it's very easy for us to get caught up in the trap of trying to intellectualize a solution. And we can drive ourselves absolutely bonkers with all the noise of thoughts over thoughts over thinking of analysis of comparison of creating the list of i don't know this i don't know that and in the end my recommendation is is very much in line with what scott's saying which is we are innately built to make easy decisions our our structure as a human and the connection that we have with our spiritual self is designed to help us make easy solutions and decisions if we allow it. And the way that this manifests and plays out 
the way that I see it is, and I'm going to retract something, the idea that we're designed, I've been corrected by spirit a couple of times that I shouldn't use the word design because we haven't been designed that way. So sorry, Maitland, I don't mean to say that we're designed that way. Um, but going back to the the, 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 the specifics. Um, so the idea that we are, it's easy for us to make a decision if we allow that to, to take place um, really comes in what Scott's referring to about feeling. We're going to feel when it's right. And if it doesn't feel right, it's just not time to make the decision yet. The decision hasn't been made obvious yet. If the decision is not obvious, trying to intellectualize it is not going to help. At some point, it'll be obvious which way you want to go because it'll just feel right. You will just know. And we've all been there. We've all had that experience. We all know what it feels like when we just say, oh, yeah, I did that because it just felt right. Every decision that we have to make will get to that point if we allow it. And it'll be an effortless and easy decision. Love it. Yeah, absolutely love it. There's something that I want to talk about, which is something I thought about earlier, and I always do this to my listeners, um, so I'm going to be really brief with this. We talked about past lives and the relationship between lives. One of the things that came to me, and I'm, it actually came from a session that Scott and I did, and I am in the process of writing the case study of it, and I just haven't finished it. But one of the things, one of the lessons that I got from that experience was that when we deal with past life regression or spiritual regression, regardless of whether it's in the past, present, or future, when we explore parallel lives or perpendicular lives or whatever lives we're having, what, one of the things that I started realizing or the way that it was described to me is that we are linking the consciousness of this life with the consciousness of that life. And we're able to share the knowledge that we have in this life with that lifetime and vice versa. So what you have learned about your own life and how life works and how your psychology works, how you deal with problems and situations and all your experiences in this life, there's a, a sharing of knowledge that takes place which helps yourself in that life and the knowledge that they have in that life and that experience tied in with what you've learned this life helps you in this life. And so that's kind of the way that it was described to me as how this spiritual regression helps us. Um, there's also a lot of, and this is a case study that I did write, which I have mentioned in other articles and other, sorry, in other episodes. There's also the aspect where because of the amnesia that we have in this life, there's oftentimes we will get ideas of cause and effect. And because of the amnesia, we're not applying full knowledge of where that cause came from. And so we're making assumptions and those assumptions can create a lot of distress in our life because those assumptions are faulty assumptions <clears throat> and not lined up with the truth. And the example that I gave was, um, and again, I'll share the link to that case study because that one is written in the, in the, the article, the episode. 
and I don't want to belabor the point because I've already kind of talked about it. Um, but because that we, we started talking about past lives and I want to kind of you know, bring full circle back to this idea that there's a lot of value in being exposed to the truth of where things come from and how they're related to our challenges in this life. Um, so really lovely conversation. I've really enjoyed it. Um, there's something else that you want to share, Scott? Oh, uh, Yes. I just wanted to plug my class. I have a class coming up. It's uh, November 12th through 14th. It's a three-day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. It's a past life regression master class. If you want to learn how to facilitate and guide past life regressions and some other spiritual explorations, uh, this is a really fun uh, three-day class. And you can you can get in touch with me uh, should I give you uh, some websites or uh, emails or something? The website is great, and I'll, I'll, of course, have this information in the description as well. Oh, thank you. So the website for the training is prohypnosistraining.com. And you click on the past life regression. It's kind of on the front because it's my upcoming training. It's in, you know, pretty soon. And I usually have pretty small groups, seven, eight people, something like that. And it's really fun. And you get to meet some amazing people. Uh, I've made a lot of friends uh, through these classes, and I'm grateful. Yeah, and so also just uh, I would put out, uh, if someone wants to experience past life regression or life between lives uh, with someone like me, or just to connect with me, or you know, write me a note. Uh, you can. My main website is uh, Light Between Lives. So L I G H T Between L I V E S dot com. Thanks, Daniel. Absolutely. And are there any requirements for the past life regression? No, no, no requirements. Anyone can take the class. Anyone who has a keen interest in okay learning how to. Uh, how to facilitate. So even people that have no experience in hypnosis are able to take the class? Absolutely. I have all the scripts and things, as you know, we go over a little bit of that. It's, uh, there are some people who are professionals, as you know, who take the class uh, to add another tool to their toolkit. There are some people that are just lay uh, people. They have a keen interest in this and they'd like to um, play with their friends and their family and that kind of thing. And they're welcome to join the class as well. Fabulous. Fabulous. It's a fun, it's usually a really fun mix. Yeah. And, and I would, like I say, I mean, it's, I, I really got a lot out of the class myself. Um, and I will have information on that uh, down below. And if you are listening to this much later on in time, Scott does have these classes periodically throughout the year, so reach out to him to find out when the next one is going to be taking place. Um, so even if you do happen to miss the one that's coming up in a couple weeks, um, there's always uh, future opportunities. So thank you very much, Scott. Um, as always, a lot of fun sharing and exploring things with you. Uh, looking forward to doing this again sometime. Um, I would love that. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks for inviting me. And uh, yeah, keep in touch. 
Maybe we'll trade some sessions uh, again sometime. It's always a lot of fun. Always, always is. And as you know, I'm going to need to do some practice sessions for the LBL. So maybe you can be one of my guinea pigs. Oh, I love it. I'll be honest with you. That crossed my mind a couple nights ago. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I wonder if Daniel needs any uh, volunteers. Absolutely, absolutely, and I promise not to use you as an example with um, <laughs> with the with the institute. <laughs> oh, you can, or uh, you you can if you want to. We can we can see what comes up. <laughs> I've done it. I've done it before. I will just say this: I've done it before with uh, people who are getting certified. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a cool. lot of fun. Yeah, I enjoy it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so. Uh, there's more on that from my side of things. But if you do want to do a life between live session, um, absolutely, or a past life regression session, a spiritual journey, uh, whatever whatever terms you want to use, um, I would highly recommend Scott as a facilitator. Um, very experienced, as you've heard, and he's got a very... Uh, He's got a lot of integrity in his work, which is what I appreciate and respect um, and admire. So, thank you, thank you, Daniel. You're going to make me cry. Yeah, I'm so emotional. <laughs> uh, you know, and I just let me say the same about you. Uh, people that are interested in maybe having an exploration, um, go with Daniel. He's done a session on me, or maybe more than one. I don't remember, but. Um, I think I thought he was excellent, and I always get a lot out of it. So, and uh, you know, I like his style, so I would definitely recommend Daniel to you as well. <laughs> we can tag team. You can have someone, right. and then and then I'll talk to them, and then we can compare notes. <laughs> no, that'd be or they can compare notes. I mean, not us, Maybe but the they can compare session. notes. <laughs> Maybe we'll just do a session together. We'll tag team oh, a session. Yeah, actually, that, we'll... that would be actually a lot of fun. I used to do that with hypnosis. Yeah. Back when I was fun. back when I was in, in the, the, the NLP world, we would hypnotize people in a team. And it creates a beautiful synergy. Um, but that would be a lot of fun to explore. So if you're interested in having Scott and I do a tag team with you where both <laughs> of us are facilitating you and that's something you want to explore and experience for fun, reach yeah. out to either one of us. It would be a it would be a wonderful experience. Um, that's right. And you can get us each for half price though. <laughs> Yeah, a, a, a quantity discount. <laughs> Actually, I've experienced this uh, uh, myself, uh, both as facilitator uh, and uh, victim. And so, yeah, it's really fun. It's really fun. It, it's it's kind of fun because it adds an, an other dimension. Because yeah. you'll think of stuff that I, I didn't think about. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, no, that would be a lot yeah. of fun. Anyway. Yeah. I, I, I do want to end this episode because, as always, I've gone a lot longer than, than I would have liked. Um, but uh, to the listeners, love you all. Thank you so much again for your time and, and interest in these conversations that I have with my friends and people that I'm meeting. Um, very excited. The next session that we're likely going to be having is uh, already in the works, which I'm really excited about as well. So there's a lot of really cool things in the, in the pipeline. Um, so until next time, soar and explore with love and Scott, my friend, thank you very much for your time. And I will talk to you soon. You're most welcome. Thank you for having me. And to your listeners, I would say thank you for listening. Uh, thanks for sharing this time with us. And I hope that you go out and enjoy your life. Looking for the humor in things. 
That's right. And not the drama. <laughs> All right. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Thank you for listening. Hopefully you heard something new that invites you to reflect, to go within and deepen your own understanding of life and of our universal experience. If you enjoyed this conversation, please follow the podcast series on your favorite listening app and share this episode with others that you feel would enjoy it as well. Until next time, May we all soar with inspiration, explore with passion, and live with love.